For this series, I create, present, and aggregate historical content for all to enjoy. When aggregating relevant materials, I peruse the many sources to identify what might be interesting to share with you. In the case of a pertinent audio recording, I listen to it many times before editing to fit my style and hopefully satisfy my audience. When I do turn to outside sources, I always provide attribution info during the program or in the show notes. Welcome to Historical Jesus. I'm Mark Vinette. The Bible is the most significant book in the Western canon. It's also the book upon which the post-antiquity Western civilization was built upon. Let's delve into the origins of this immensely important and influential book. In this special episode, we examine the canonical Gospels in our deep survey of the Bible. When first written, the Gospels were called memoirs or memories. Only later were they referred to as Gospels, meaning glad tidings or good news in Greek. The four canonical, or sacred Gospels, that tradition attributes to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the primary sources for the life and message of Jesus. Gary Stevens of the History in the Bible podcast has graciously agreed to share with us his views on the history of this remarkable book. In Search of the Historical Jesus The Gospel of Mark was not highly regarded in early Christianity. The very earliest fathers thought its language and structure crude, but they accepted that it was the earliest Gospel. By the time Christianity was made the official religion of the Empire 200 years later, the fathers decided that Matthew was the earliest. Mark, they held, was an uncreative summary of that Gospel. Mark only survived because of its supposed connection to the Apostle Peter. The Gospels of John, Matthew and Luke are much more widely read than Mark. Like all the Gospels, Mark is anonymous. Early church fathers held Mark to be a companion of the disciple Peter in Rome. He was said to be Peter's interpreter. It's not clear whether they meant he was Peter's translator or Peter's editor and ghostwriter. Modern scholars accept that someone called Mark was the book's author, but they are dubious that he is the person mentioned in Acts, or that he was a companion to Peter. It is unclear if Mark was a Gentile or a Jew, and if his audience was Gentile or Jewish, Greek-speaking or Latin-speaking. Perhaps the best bet is that Mark was a second-generation diaspora Jew living in Italy. Mark has to explain Judean customs to his audience. Mark gets the geography of Judea wrong. He explains Greek money by comparing it to Roman currency. From various comments that Mark drops, his audience is assailed. Scholars are agreed that Mark is the earliest of the Gospels. It was written sometime between Nero's persecution of the Christians after the Great Fire of Rome and the aftermath of the destruction of the Temple under Nero's successor, the Emperor Vespasian. Matthew and Luke certainly know of the temple's fall. Whether Mark does is a moot point. All this would place the Gospel's creation in the very narrow time range of the year 64 to the early 70s. Mark is notorious for his inelegant street language Greek, so unlike the more graceful language of his fellow evangelists. 
It may be that all the evangelists originally wrote that way, but Mark alone couldn't afford a good editor to polish his prose. Whatever the reason, Mark is raw and energetic. He is punchy. He often swaps tenses from the past to the present in the middle of a thought. That is common in spoken English and English fiction, but rarely seen otherwise in English prose. Mark often begins a clause with the word and. Mark is especially fond of the word immediately. Mark reinterpreted the old Jewish concepts of son of man and the very vague idea of a messiah. He created the idea that the Messiah was not a victorious general, but a suffering servant. Mark comforted his readers by explaining that Jesus' death was not an accident, not a calamity. God mandated his adopted son's suffering death. Jesus died as a ransom to save earthly sinners. Very soon now, God would reward us by bringing about the end of times, and Jesus would return in triumph. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Mark is the most apocalyptic of the evangelists. The other evangelists wrote a generation or two later. By then, no one thought that Jesus was coming back next Tuesday. The later gospel writers depict the life of Jesus as a pivotal moment in human history, but they do not expect his imminent return. Mark does. On to the evangelist and the gospel of Matthew. Matthew's traditional symbol is an angel or winged man. Matthew is the lengthiest of the gospels. Matthew has long been regarded as the premier gospel and has long been the most popular. It has everything you could ask for in a gospel. Lots of stories, lots of parables. The earliest references to Matthew that we can really trust only date from the late 2nd century, around the year 180. The fathers attributed the gospel to one Matthew, the disciple and tax collector from Capernaum mentioned in the gospels and in the book of Acts. Tradition held that he wrote in Hebrew, while Peter and Paul were in Rome. Matthew's status as a disciple propelled him to the top of the gospel charts. Neither Mark nor Luke were disciples. This tradition is almost certainly wrong. If Matthew was a disciple and eyewitness, why does he use so much of Mark, who was neither? If Matthew was a disciple, why is his book riddled with anachronisms? Matthew often has characters use the word rabbi, a title which only became popular after the fall of the temple. If Matthew wrote in Hebrew, why does his Greek match so often the Greek text of Mark? Few today believe that Matthew was a disciple. The consensus is that the gospel was written after the fall of the temple, somewhere between the years 80 to 100. 
Many scholars believe that the Gospel was written in the great city of Antioch in Syria. Matthew is surely an urbanite. Where the other Gospels use the term village, Matthew always substitutes the word city. Matthew doesn't do villages. Matthew includes almost all of the Gospel of Mark, more than Luke does. Matthew also shares a large amount of material with the Gospel of Luke. Matthew treats his Markan source critically. Matthew improves Mark's poor Greek and remedies what he sees as Mark's coyness about Jesus' messianic identity. He is much kinder to the disciples than Mark. Only Matthew confirms Peter as the rock of the church and records Peter's exclamation that Jesus is the Messiah. Like Mark, Matthew also believes that Jesus died as a ransom, that he was the Messiah and Son of God. Was Jesus a human whom God adopted, or was he a divine being who existed from the beginning of time? Matthew isn't interested. Matthew is much more keen to show us Jesus as a Jew. In his first chapter, Matthew's detailed genealogy shows that Jesus is an anointed one of the line of David. Matthew also presents Jesus as a new lawgiver, one who can interpret the laws of Moses as they should be interpreted. Where Mark says that the parables are meant to hide Jesus' message from the crowd, Matthew says the parables reveal Jesus' message. Where Matthew really differs from Mark is by adding five long speeches by Jesus, the famous Sermon on the Mount amongst them. These five speeches of Jesus may be Matthew's way of paralleling the five books of the Torah. Matthew does some odd things with Mark. He often takes a story from Mark and tells it twice. Not only does Matthew double the story, Matthew also doubles the number of characters in the story. We will never know who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. The only question we can really ask is, was Matthew a Jew or a Gentile? We are perplexed. On the one hand, Matthew appears as the most Jewish of the Gospels. To avoid saying the name of God, forbidden to Jews, Matthew uses an expression usually translated into English as kingdom of heaven. That is a phrase unknown to Mark and Luke. Kingdom of heaven is actually an inadequate translation of the Greek. The Greek expression is much more dynamic. A better translation would be God's kingly rule. The evangelist goes to lengths to show Jesus as a Jew. Matthew cites the Old Testament more than 50 times to show that Jesus is the Messiah predicted in the Jewish scriptures. I'm Mark Vinette. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss. Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body which decreases as we age. Taking Calitrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calitrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply, and this week, 
take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, text HISTORY, that's H-I-S-T-O-R-Y, using the code 30605.